Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. For the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think Jamil Zainashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy, hey, my broom brothers and sisters. Greetings, greetings. <laughs> Going with the old standby. Yeah. I can yeah. see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, you've got questions, we've got JP. Yeah, we don't have JP. He left the studio. Oh, oh crap. We, we only ran like an hour over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is pretty good for us. I mean, we get to talking. And we got, we, we, we you know... Here's well, we're not just wasting the listeners' time. We got good stuff. Well, that's, right? that's debatable. Yeah. But <laughs> no, I, I, I think uh, at times we are wasting listeners' time uh, with uh, you know talk of, of of whatever. But you know, it's heartfelt. It's not pretend. It's um, you know we're talking <laughs> about this right. stuff because we're really distracted with this stuff. Yeah, it, that, that's right. It's like hanging out with your buddies, and you know uh-huh. you're going to hear some of this stuff, but. Um, you know, we I think we do a pretty darn good job on getting guests like uh, you know, we had Glenn Tinseth, we had Charlie Bamforth, we've had, you know, we've had any number of, you know, really yeah. great guests and uh you know, you're no slouch yourself. I mean you're you know you're well, uh, likewise. You know, you're one yeah. of the, the the you know, the the brewing uh geeks that uh you know, when it comes to you know, learning how to brew, uh, you know, people should turn to uh, How to Brew from John Palmer. You know, you can pick that book up. You can actually get signed copies of How to Brew from John Palmer in the Brewing Network store. You go to www.thebrewingnetwork.com, and in there you're going to find, uh, you know, signed copies of How to Brew, signed copies of uh, Brewing Classic Styles, which John and I did together. Yeah. Uh, you're going to find uh, a lot of other good uh, books, and you're going to find uh, great uh, BN Army gear. I'm wearing one of the Hop Grenade shirts. It's actually uh, one of my favorite shirts. You can wear that, you know. Yeah. Uh, I'm wearing my Brewing Army uh, hoodie. Right. Uh, the hoodie. You can get uh, Brew Strong shirts, which is actually my favorite. Um uh, you know the 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 class. It, it, they got one with the arm and the mash paddle. Do we have have those mm-hmm. still? Still right. have them. Yep. Okay. Those yep. are sweet. And you know, if you like a little more artsy, if you want a little more, uh, you know, uh, basic. They, the, you know, the uh, the one that that I really the construction, like. Construction. Yeah. It's got the uh, you know the Bruce Strong just in like a military text type of thing on a black shirt, white text. Uh, you know, it's sweet. You can wear that anywhere. I really love it. And coming this week, I've got baseball caps with the same thing. Oh, that yeah, yeah. that military Bruce Strong. You I just gave haven't me gotten one the of those photos done. So in Milwaukee, nice. yeah. and yeah. that is the nice hat cap. I wear. Oh, good! <laughs> I love that thing. It's great. It's a little large. Of course, I got a little small head, you know. But but those would fit like a Tasty yep. and JP. 
Uh, of course, they wouldn't buy one, but I'd I'd, I'd pay for one for the. They're their standard baseball cap things we do. The people were asking me from. So this, yeah. if you've bought They're a nice. BN adjustable strap uh, baseball cap, it's the same one. Just has Bruce Strong. It's nice because you know you, you get these weird hats from like uh, I don't know where they're coming in the world. Maybe they're coming from China. I don't know because yeah. you know. Maybe they're trying to mess with us, but <laughs> you get those caps that go really far down your head and push your ears out. Yeah. I hate those. This is not caps. one of them. This is, it fits really well. Uh, I've got it in my car right now. I, and when I need a, a cap, that's the one I wear. My Bruce Strong cap. I love that thing. So pick yourself up one of those. Uh, good stuff. All the all the profits go to the bottom line of the Brewing Network, and that helps pay for, for this show. And uh, can you brew it? And, uh, you know, Sunday session and that show that should not be named. <laughs> and the other thing that keeps the show going, uh, the reason you're listening to this show for free is because a guy named John Blickman uh, is paying for, sponsor. Th- for this for this show. He is the sponsor. He's making sure that uh, you get to listen to this uh, show without paying a penny. And uh, I love him personally. I love him. I saw that. We were in Milwaukee. I didn't yeah. want to say anything, but I saw John and, you love him. and Justin. Justin showing his love for uh, John Blackman. No, no, no. I don't, I don't want to ruin our relationship with our, our sponsor at this point. This early in the game. Yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, he's a great guy and a lot of fun. And, you know, uh, you get these engineering types and you think, oh, he's all all business. And, you know, he's so focused on producing unique you know brewing items that are really you know cutting edge technology great stuff um you know things like uh you know the beer gun the, the, I mean, yeah, and the did, false bottom in his pot <laughs> all right let's not talk about his pot habit let's talk about you know like uh you know uh, just just the beer gun you know he, he you know this is this is you know the thinking at, at blickman is you know, he he took uh, you know the the concept of counter pressure filling, and he rethought it. You know everybody was just copying the same old thought over and over. And he was like, well, wait, maybe we can do this a little differently. Maybe you know we can fill this thing without without the the counter pressure thing, and do do a better job of it, and fill bottles with less oxygen, less turbulence, and you know uh, you know do something different, and you know totally rethought it. And, you know, the same thing on uh, that top-tier, uh, uh, you know, brew system they have. You know, you know what what problems are people running into? How can we rethink this to, to do it better? Not just do the same thing over and over again. Not just copy somebody else's design, but come up with a new design, something new that will, you know, revolutionize brewing. And I think that's, that's you know, clearly where that guy comes from. And, you know, quality. The quality of the engineering on all these these things, you know, well worth what you're going to pay for it. I, you know, their company slogan is, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, something that the the Gucci uh, you know family had was, you know, quality is remembered long after the price is forgotten. So, I think the prices are pretty re- reasonable on that stuff, but, um, and and maybe that's because I've seen the quality of of the uh, the products. But you know, once you buy one of these things, I think it'll last forever. Yeah. And if it doesn't, I I think you call them up and say, "Hey, you know, here's here's the problem I had," and and you know they're re-engineering it and you know and fixing it for you. And uh, listen, John, forever's gone by, and I'm seeing a little <laughs> rust on my. It's been a hundred uh, years. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? You know, 
Uh, I've worn out my my beer gun uh, tip. Uh, yeah, send me another. <laughs> I think he'd be proud of you if you <laughs> if you can use his beer gun enough to wear it down. Uh, he'd be proud of you. Yeah, that's very cool. And John, you you use one of the uh, you use a bunch of the Blickman products. I you know I'm, yeah. I'm I've been dabbling in them myself uh, here, but uh, you know what's yeah. what's it like brewing on that uh, top tier system? It's really convenient. I mean it, the the burners are um, really well connected to the stand. Um, mm. It's this. I've you know my, my there's they're connected to the stand. Jesus well, Christ, John! <laughs> no, but they're, but they're, they're, they're of course they're, they're connected adjustable. to the stand. It's well, well connected. <laughs> but I mean um, the the legs of the stand have uh, are, are adjustable. My my driveway is not flat in any one area, so. Um, I'm going to cut you off here. I went to, <laughs> but that's a good uh, feature he was about to get to. Brewing yeah. on an uneven surface, adjustable legs. Yeah, very adjustable legs. Yeah. Very sturdy. You know, you've got a, you've got twenty you're, gallons you're, of you're, water. You're, 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 I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I love you, John, but I'm, you know, <laughs> I went to Milwaukee and I saw one of these things in action, and it, it's not that the burners are well connected to the stand. Those burners, this isn't just like you know They're your typical well burner. The, the The flame pattern out of this thing was yeah. perfect. Yeah. And John Blickman was telling me, so yeah, we put a lot of work into not just you know taking somebody else's burner and sticking a burner on there from some wok burner or something. It was you know getting a burner manufactured for Blickman that met his goals of quality and you know flame distribution and if you run those things i mean you can run them down to just like this tiny little whisper and yep. you still have an even flame all the way across the bottom of the pot you crank it up and you still have this nice even flame all the way across mm. the the bottom of the pot i was very impressed by that that's one of the things i noticed when i was in milwaukee i was looking at this thing i'm like wow and one of the one of the guys who was doing the brewing for me during when I was brewing, he was like, "This is the thing I love." Is like, look, when you adjust this flame, it's you know, this is really consistent. That's amazing. I yeah, mean, he's got we, a good needle valve on this on the burners. I, I don't know exactly how he's done it, but I was very impressed with those burners. So it wasn't that well, they were well attached to the. <laughs> in point of fact. <laughs> <laughs> the last batch I brewed on my system. I mean, I, I ran. Yes. I'm doing. I'm doing direct fired rims. Uh-huh. So um, I have, you know, using his false bottom. Mm-hmm. They're a special coin shaped false bottom. Right. I, ran, right, I right. recirculated mm-hmm. the wort the whole time. The, you know, from out through the the ball valve mm-hmm. down to the pump, which I mounted onto the stand. I mean, you know, getting a couple bolts mount to the pump right to the stand works really well. I mean that's that's the beauty of this this mast that, that everything connects to, like the burners, mm-hmm. um, the well connected burners. Yes. Yeah, and then pumped it back up. I was able to do you know step mashes, um, running the pump the whole time, adjusting the flame on the burner. You know, uh, very very small, just keeping it steady, and then cranking up a little bit to uh, raise the temperature turn it down again when i got to my next rest um really convenient and as you say the, the burners are great um mm-hmm. and i wanted like i wanted to say earlier the, the false bottom 
is a really well designed false bottom. It works so well for um, for a continual rim system. Uh, I was really impressed. Yeah. Well, you know, we probably won't talk about this as much going forward, but I'm really just quite excited. Uh, you know, I'm I'm excited getting to know more about the Blickman uh, mm-hmm. products and have them as a sponsor. And um, you know, it's not that necessarily want you to buy anything from them, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure it wouldn't but hurt. But at the very least, go to BlickmanEngineering.com. And, uh, you know, search around, take a look at the, the products they have. It's quality stuff. You buy any of that stuff, you're not satisfied, you know, I'm sure Justin will refund your money. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just choked on that beer I was tasting. I don't know what was going on on the show, but, man, I went down the wrong pipe. So this is something with the beer. I don't know. I don't know who brewed that stuff. No. Uh, but, uh, you know, definitely... If if you do nothing else, uh, you know, go to your homebrew local homebrew shop because that's where Blickman's products are sold through. So you can support your local homebrew shop and support Blickman and support this show at the same time. And drop them uh, a line, let them know how much you appreciate the show. Exactly. Yeah, you know, send them an email. Uh, you know, don't don't say, oh well, somebody else will send the email. No, you. If you're listening, send an email to Blickman. Say, hey, I appreciate you supporting the show. I appreciate that you've paid for me to listen to the show for free. And uh, that's essentially what's what's happened here. So, uh, uh, you know, uh, give them some credit for for helping helping a brother out. It's 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 good stuff, and it really is. If you've seen the stuff in person, um, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, you should go check it out. If you're going to be buying a piece of brew gear, anyways, consider Blickman. It's 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 good quality stuff. They're really well uh, designed. It's going to last you a lifetime. It's got a lot of little subtle things. You know, it's that engineer in in Blickman that you know has designed stuff that works better than. I mean, you you'd be surprised the the little things that make such a big difference in your brew day. Anyways, I don't want to go on and on about this, but uh, I'm very pleased to have them as a sponsor. I think uh, you know that indicates the quality of this 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 program. I love him. I love him. <laughs> I love him. <laughs> That's a third time you. <laughs> I love John. <laughs> That's the quality of this program, right? Turning myself off, yeah. <laughs> All right. No, it's so good, is, it, is it, do we have any questions? Right. So this is our live Q&A show. And uh, you know, we do this every third show or so. So if if you're if you get a chance to listen live, what you want to do is uh, you know sync up with us and we'll answer any questions you have because we realized that uh, you know all the requests that are coming into uh, Bruce Strong at thebrewingnetwork.com. You know, email your questions in. We'll eventually get to those topics. But if you need, if you got the burning need to uh, have a question answered, uh, here's the time to do it. It's a live Q and A show. So, Justin, what do we got coming in loud and clear now? A whole bunch of them from the chat room. All right, let's start off with a good one. That's uh, I don't. I like these questions. It's it's a it's it's basic, but it's one that we always get no matter how many times we talk about it. And it's about racking. All right, so uh, uh, this comes from, he's, he's got your Brewing Classic Styles book, and uh, he's brewed the American Amber Ale. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's, he's starting to think about bottle conditioning, and he's heard you talk about the no secondary method. We've always, you know, once, since right. you've been on the show, you've talked about no secondary. Right. Well, so in the carboy, then, he wants to know, does this count for those of us who are going to bottle condition? So he's asking, do I want, you know, if I'm, if I'm just, if I've got it in the carboy and I'm going to no secondary, mm-hmm. do I wait for the yeast to go 
completely clear in the carboy? Is yeah. that how I know I'm I'm ready to go? Right, right, absolutely. So, um, you know, generally during fermentation, you know, uh, you see activity. You'll see the airlock. You'll see some bubbles on the surface, and if you haven't changed the temperature, okay. So here's the other thing. All right, so I got to back up a bit. If you got, is. if you've got, right, if you've got a fermenter, the thing is, if you've got a fermenter and you change the temperature, if you make it warmer, you see CO two will come out and it'll start bubbling and the airlock will start moving and you say to yourself, oh, it's fermenting. No, CO two is just coming out of solution because you've warmed the liquid. It, it's not going to the solubility of CO two in a warmer liquid. It's all going to come out, and you're going to see a bubble. So it's not fermenting, right? All right. So that's one thing. If you move a fermenter and you shake it up, you tend to drive out CO two as well. All right. So that out of the way. If your fermenter is sitting there and the temperature hasn't changed, and you see no bubbles happening, and the thing seems like it's pretty much shut down, okay, you've reached the end of fermentation. Things are still happening, and what I like to do is give it another day or two, and during that day or two, the yeast will clean up any other compounds that they can still clean up, and you'll see, you know, the yeast will flocculate out, and and within a day or two, most yeast of Adequate flocculation will drop to the; those flocks will all drop to the bottom. So okay. You'll see the beer darken at that point because it's it's, uh-huh. it's not Good reflecting point. as much light. Right, right, right. The, the The yeast actually makes the beer look lighter. It'll drop out. Um, if it's a, a lighter color beer, you should be able to see through it. You know all that stuff. So that's when it's ready to either bottle or go to a keg. Even though the yeast looks like it's all dropped to the bottom, there's plenty of yeast left in there. Okay, that was his follow-up question. Right. He's worried about you know yeah. it then being enough yeast. All right, so this whole process that I'm talking about, if you pitch the right amount of yeast and provided the right environment for the yeast and the right temperature and all that, for most ales, it's done fermenting within four or five days. You give it a few extra days, you know, by day 10... I usually go 10 days on these things. You know, I just, uh, you know, you're not running into any real problems. Yeah. Uh, by day 10, it's done, okay? And the yeast have dropped clear, and now you can go ahead and put that in the bottling bucket. There's still plenty of yeast in there. Or you can go to a keg. And if, you know, if you doubt that there's any yeast in there, anybody who kegs, you can wait, you know, 10 days, two weeks. You keg your beer. Let it sit in the in the fridge and... You know, you serve the beer or whatever. If you if you wait a little while, what's left at the end when you're done? If you've served all the beer, open that keg and look at the bottom. What do you see? You see a slurry of yeast on the bottom, and the beer looked brilliantly clear. There's a lot of yeast. I mean, yeast are really fine little cells, and you know, you can have a lot in there without really, you know, uh, being apparent. Okay, and it can still look clear. Plenty of yeast. Yeah. Okay, and and then one last question from him is um, he, he's worried about checking the gravity while it's in that glass carboy in a mm-hmm. sanitary manner. So what what's the ideal method that you would recommend that we take a gravity sample? Uh, John, uh, you want the wine tailor? thief? The wine thief. Okay, mm-hmm. and he did say he's seen those wine thieves, but and wants to know if, if really that is the ideal method to do it. You, if you both would recommend that, yeah. Well, and um, you know. I used to check my final gravity, and then I 
got more into ensuring that my yeast was healthy and I was pitching the proper amount. And since I started doing that, I haven't checked my final gravity in the carboy for eight years or so. Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, there's it. It's kind of a, that's kind of a beginner thing where you're where you don't have enough feel for the process yet. Mm-hmm. You can't tell by looking at it. Or, I mean, after ten days, it's done. It's and uh, waiting a couple more days, you know, isn't going to take the attenuation any lower. So unless you got bad fermentation, bad yeast health, a lot of other issues like yeah. that, you know, you can you can you can again if you see activity has ceased, give it a couple of days and then you're done. Yeah, and then you know, then measure it when you know you rack it to your keg or your bottling bucket and then measure it. And if it didn't reach attenuation, figure out why that was. If it's sweet, then maybe it you know it was a fermentation problem. If it's just if it's not sweet, taste dry. That's fully attenuated. Then it's like a recipe or a process issue as well. Yeah. Right. Let's take a short break, and when we come back, we'll get into uh, more questions on this live Q and A show. Back after this. Brew right. Brew smart. Brew Strong. This is Brew Strong. From the stovetop to a camp burner to some kind of brew stand, most homebrewers follow some version of this progression. With each move, a homebrewer will often have to change a lot, if not all, of their equipment. Until now, Blickman Engineering brings you the top-tier brewing stand, the only brewing stand that grows with you. For example, buy a top-tier floor-standing burner now, and it'll bolt right to your top-tier brewing stand when you're ready for all-grain brewing. The top-tier brewing stand is perfect for 5-gallon to 20-gallon batch sizes. Its modular design is adjustable and accommodates everything from small footprint coolers up to 30-gallon pots. How does the top-tier brewing stand do it? At its core is a strong, heat-treated, and anodized aluminum main post. On all four sides are built-in T-slots for the adjustable heavy-gauge stainless steel shelves and beefy burner tiers. The tiers accommodate any manufacturer's pots or coolers up to 21 inches in diameter. Best of all, not only does the top-tier brewing stand grow with your skills and equipment, but it easily knocks down for long-term storage or transport, too. The top-tier brewing stand from Blickman Engineering. Learn more at BlickmanEngineering.com and to find a local Blickman retailer. And start brewing from the top tier. Downtown Joe's, located in the historic Oberon Building in beautiful downtown Napa, California, offers an award-winning brew pub experience from 8.30 a.m. to 1 a.m. every day. For 15 years at the corner of 2nd and Main, Downtown Joe's has been voted Best Night Spot seven times and Best Brew Pub for the last four years in a row. Brewmaster Colin Kaminsky's handcrafted ales, like his Tailwagon Amber Ale and Catherine the Great Imperial Stout, are the perfect accent to riverside dining, live music, and a relaxing outdoor patio. 
don't miss the Beer of the Month, special rotating taps, and happy hour all day Mondays. Visit downtownjoes.com to make reservations, peruse their extensive calendar of events, or just read more about their fantastic beers. Come enjoy the fine beer, food, and music. Downtown Joe's, the award-winning brew pub where you'll feel at home. Where were we? You stole an oak barrel from the mist of Ravenwood and Lord Zinfandel the Avenger is in pursuit. Do you drop the barrel and run? Hell no. We need it for a Flinders Red. I'm going to cast Pediacocket's Damnethus on the barrel. Sorry, your ghosts are imprisoned in his winery forever. I hate it when Greg's the brewmaster. This sucks. What do we have here? Orville Rodenbach? Buzz off, guy. We got a brew session going. Is that an actual beer? Yeah, I crafted it. I don't really use the dice anymore. I'm a 10th level beer nerd. Are you a 10th level beer nerd? Do you get a long-lasting foam stand when you think about wheat malt? Then you're in good company at Northern Brewer. Northern Brewer has all your beer nerd needs, ingredients, equipment, and knowledge at northernbrewer.com. Plus, fast, cheap shipping, only $7.99 for the contiguous USA. And check out Northern Brewer's huge selection of dorky beer kits, including the pre-prohibition lager. Perfect for steampunk. And the single hop best bitter. Now on cast in 10 forward. Make 10th level at northernbrewer.com. What's going on, man? Oh, my God. It was the best time. We hit, like, more than 30 breweries and uh, totally the best of the best, you know. Russian River, uh, Firestone, the, the brewery dudes, uh, 21st Amendment, Lagunitas, friggin' Triple Rock, uh, the Double Daddy guy, Speakeasy, Linden, and uh, Firehouse, Gordon Bees, Drake's, dude, on and on. Ale Industries, Moonlight. It was totally awesome. And and it was the uh, and it was the first annual. You know, I got to be at the birth, the inception. You only get one first time, baby. What's that? Oh, it was the uh, it was the Brewing Network's first annual Winter Brews Festival. Live music, great food. Ah, oh, man, it was uh, Saturday, January thirtieth. You really should have gone. Check out thebrewingnetwork.com on tap to see what you missed, or did you? The first annual Brewing Network Winter Brews Festival is coming up January thirtieth. Don't miss it. Kilo, what's it feel like? Take awesome and multiply it by two. Yeah! <laughs> Spraying live beer radio all over your face. <laughs> Can't get any better than this, baby. It's the Brewing Network. Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. We're doing a live question and answer show. We do this every uh, every few episodes, uh, really just in a you know an effort to keep up with the uh, the number of requests that come in at uh, brewstrong at thebrewingnetwork.com. If you got uh, you know show ideas that you want us to tackle, uh, send them in there. It may take us a year to get to it, but uh, you know we, we always like hearing from you though. That's right. Yeah, we 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 love it. I mean, we got the best listeners ever. You know, uh, you know, people with really thoughtful questions, and uh, you know, they they've they've done the homework, and the homework's lacking, and then they turn to Bruce Strong and say, you know, give me the the you know the course on uh, understanding this. All right, uh, what do we got coming up next? Uh, if you're listening live. You know, the Brewing Network's the only uh, beer radio that you can actually interact with. That uh, These shows are done live, and we actually uh, you join the chat room. Go to thebrewingnetwork.com, click chat, and uh, you can actually participate. You can ask questions. 
Justin will, uh, you know, tell you his personal problems. <laughs> yeah, all these questions today have come through from the live chat, so they weren't uh, premeditated at all, just people right. listening and having questions. Right. All right, Jamil and Palmer, uh, this comes up a lot, so help us put this to rest. Uh, this listener uh, wants to know about making session beers out of Big beer, uh, and I think he means out of big beer type recipes. Uh, he's talking about Pliny and, and Tasty's Janet's Brown. Is it possible to come close to the originals without the high doses of alcohols? Now he goes on to say, just just to set it up for you, that he has heard of you know, the the main answer he always gets is just to mash hot, and he's not satisfied with this answer. Um, right. He also, based on 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 things in in your book, Jamil, like your your Scottish seventy, mm-hmm. um, that the the way you adjust for gravity is only to adjust the base malt. And he's concerned about what about all the other malts? What about the crystals, the roast, the carafas? So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's the whole setup for you guys. Well, and 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 I think he's asked this question a number of times, <laughs> a number of different <laughs> different aspects. And, you know, it's a tricky question because, you know, part of it is, all right, so, um, you know, I have an aircraft carrier. How do I make a, uh, you know, a 16-foot uh, runabout? You know, it's like, well, y- you know, you don't just downsize an aircraft carrier and make it into a, you know, a, a runabout. Yeah, you know, it's, it's you know, they're, they're, they're different types of craft. And really, the best runabout is going to be designed from the ground up as a runabout. The best aircraft carrier is going to be designed up from the ground up as a as an aircraft carrier. Now, I think what the person is trying to capture is, you know, the um, you know that overall feel or concept of that beer in a smaller beer with less alcohol. And I can appreciate that because I like a lower alcohol beer. The difficulty comes in um, now. Now, one thing. All right, if you're adjusting a recipe for efficiency, let's say there's a, a recipe in brewing classic styles, and they're all done to seventy percent uh, efficiency, and you're getting eighty percent efficiency. What you do is you adjust the base malt. You just adjust down the thing that really derives the alcohol. You know, if you're within majority you know, of the fermentables. Yeah, if you're within ten percent, you know, fifteen percent, ah, you just adjust down the fermentables. You'll be fine. If you're getting wildly different efficiencies, or you're trying to take a one point one or you know a, a twenty five Plato beer. And scale it down to a you know a, a six plato or seven plato beer <laughs> or eight plato beer like a mild. You're trying to take a barley wine, turn it into a mild. Then perhaps you need to start looking at the specialty grains. Maybe, and here's the reason why you don't. Here's the reason why in brewing classic styles, the Scottish line of beers. You don't mess with the specialty grains. You just mess with the base grains. If you look, t- take take a look at uh, any recipe, any decent recipe for big beers. What you're going to find is they don't go with, you know, they don't scale up to you know wild amounts of crystal malt. Right, exactly. They just increase the base malt. Because if you increase those those specialty grains, you're going to end up with a syrupy, overdone, 
excessive, undrinkable beer. Right. You don't scale up the specialty malts. You really just scale the base malts. So if you look at all those recipes, you'll see that really the best uh, big beers are ones you know they've got a lot of uh, you know it's it, it, and even um, you know uh, a number of big beers they'll use simple sugars they'll use table sugar you know mm-hmm. and really it's just to get alcohol and not add more flavor they even they get to the point where if you're adding more base grain that's too much flavor and it becomes cloying. It becomes overwhelming. You need something that gets out of the way. It's it's, it's a rice syrup, or it's a it's a you know dextrose, or whatever it might be. You're you're adding that just to get alcohol and and stay out of the way of adding too much flavor. So when you're taking a big beer and you're scaling down to a small beer, you keep those specialty grains the same. Bittering. Um, you know the 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 thing on the 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 b u o g ratio that you need to tweak is that um when you start out with a high amount of uh, sugars and you ferment this down attenuation uh for a given yeast is going to you know let's say you're attenuating to 70% right average percentage and you've got a you know a 100 point beer you're going to get down to about you know thirty points. If you're doing a smaller beer, and, and that thirty points needs to be balanced with uh, you know some some bittering and some hop character. If you're doing a smaller beer, the ratio of of really the finishing sweetness to bittering is what's important, not really the the starting gravity. Now they tend to be related. So, uh, you know, if you're tracking the two, I think you're pretty close, but you'll probably be a little too bitter uh, when you go from something like a barley wine to a mild. Um, as far as, you know, going to a hotter mash temperature, the only reason for that is to just preserve some body. It really doesn't preserve any sweetness. It just preserves, you know, body. And, you know, that's fine. Um if you want a sweetness in a beer, if you want to mimic, like a barley wine has a residual sweetness, and mimic that in something like a mild, that's tricky. You're going to have to, um, you're going to either have to get a yeast that doesn't attenuate very well at all, mm-hmm. or you're going to have to feed back some sugar into the into the beer, like something like uh, you know when they do. Um, uh, Southern English Brown, uh, you know, English Southern English Brown. Um, they uh, they actually sweeten it back with some sugar, and um, you know, you'd have to do something like that, either an unfermentable sugar, like a you know a, a Splenda or something like that, or uh, sugar and then you know pasteurize it or something like that, so it doesn't uh, ferment out. That's the only way you're going to get that kind of character. Um. I don't know, and I, John, you got more to add to that? Uh, that's that's all about all I can think of at this point. No, I think I think those are very good points. I mean, you're more of the recipe guru than I am. Um, the I would, uh, as you were saying, I wouldn't really go to a higher mash temp if you're trying to make a session beer out of a out of a big beer. Um, you really, you still want 
the full attenuation, um, you, the higher mash temp would be if you're going to go for a more of a low alcohol version, perhaps, mm-hmm. uh, where you're trying to you know you you've reduced the amount the total amount of fermentables to a point where you need to go to a little higher mash temp or add some maltodextrin powder to to bump up the body of the beer mm-hmm. um, or something like that. Um, uh, you, you made a good point with the uh, the BU to GU ratio on um, you know trying to trying to scale down the the bitterness perception. That, that's a good point. So I, I think you answered that well. Well, if we haven't answered it, you know, send in a request to Brewstrong at the Brain Network dot com, and uh, yeah. yeah, maybe really we, that, that's a good uh, that's a good topic for a show. There, yeah, maybe get, maybe we do a show scaling big beers down, scaling little beers up. How do you make an imperial mild? How do you make a uh, mild barley wine? All right. Another good question that came through. Uh, to fine our beers, you know, filtering, fining. Uh, this listener wants to know, should one avoid fining a beer post-dry hopping? Which I thought it's a good question no. because, uh, you know, the whole idea with dry hopping is to get those those kind of hot particulates in there, right? And then the idea of fining is to clear particulates out. So, Palmer, you already jumping on that? Yeah, well, I mean, I've when I've dry hopped with pellets, you know, sometimes I'll just I'll have um, a beer that just won't clear, you know. Um, and so I will find those. I use Isinglass or um, something like that. And that really, I, I don't find any real you know, regrettable loss in hop character from doing that. Um, I just get, I just get a clear beer. You know. hmm. um, I guess the particulates it, are different than what you'd normally, you know, well, the, the good stuff of the hops is not the same thing you're finding out. Well, but right. yeah, all right. So yeah, the, you know, particulates, um, you know, the word particulates describe uh, chunks of matter that yeah, are floating yeah. around. So, what you tend to get from dry hopping is a haze, and most dry hop beers are hazy. Okay. And my understanding is that's from the tannin, uh, you know, hop polyphenols, yeah. hop polyphenols that are floating around in there, and you get this haze. Um, so not accurately described by particulates, like I said. Yeah, and, not, yeah. you know, uh, not not a, not a bad descriptor, but uh, so I think technically that's that's more what you're looking at, and um, you know, really fine particulate matter that's you know forming the, this haze forming, uh, and I think um, you know I, I it, for me I've never find a beer after dry hopping, so I really don't know what the result would be. It sounds like John has actually done it, so he knows what the result would be. For me, when I dry hop a beer, I think of it as, well, dry hop beer is going to be hazy. You know, why would you complain about that? Mm. Uh, You know, please, you know, that's that's part of the attraction. I know that it's been dry hopped. You know, when I'm given a dry hop beer that isn't hazy, I question it, which is kind of weird, I guess, but I, I... you know, I think, well, if it's not hazy, then either you didn't really dry hop it enough because I don't see the haze in it. So for me, it's a little different. Um, but if John says it doesn't affect the, the flavor, then uh, it doesn't uh, affect yeah, the I mean, flavor. Well, I think, 
you know, kind of like Mike McDowell says, you know, uh, you you adjust your recipe to compensate. Right, right, right. So uh, Mike will filter uh, his beers, but um, you know what he'll do is jack things up before he filters them. So he mm. he, he you know his yeah. you know his concept of a recipe will be you know account for filtering. My concept of a recipe won't account for filtering. Yeah. So and I was thinking I was listening to our our Q and A session with Charlie today on the way home, and he was talking about you know cask ales. You know they they add finings and and dry mm-hmm. hop mm-hmm. in the cask, and mm-hmm. that's all done then. Yeah, you know, the, but the hop character in those beers is so light. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, if you're talking a West Coast dry hopping, right. I'm telling you, you know, if you don't have a a layer of resin on your tongue tongue after you drink it, then they didn't dry hop it. Enough. I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, but the haze the haze is primarily due to hop polyphenols and complexity with proteins and so on. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. you find and you drop some of that out, you know you're not really going after the hop oils that are giving you the the aroma and, and flavor that you're looking for. So you may lose a little bit, but um, you're not really targeting those compounds with the findings. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, let's take another short break, and when we come back, more of your questions answered live here on Bruce Strong. Back after this. Keep your carboy cap on. This is Bruce Strong. We'll be right back. Hey, what are you doing, man? Writing a review of WLP 400. What? You're reviewing yeast? Yeah. White Labs has home brewer reviews of all their strains. Are you new to these interwebs? Check it out. That's awesome. White Labs, your source for great yeast, invites all brewers to visit whitelabs.com to read and write your own reviews of all their yeast strains. Get real-world tips and tricks from other brewers who have made the most of their vials and post your own experiences. It's another way White Labs brings you closer to the best yeast on the planet. And send. There you go. You misspelled flocculate, dude. What? Uh... White Labs. It's all in the vial. Hi, this is Push from the Brewing Network, and I want to tell you about the Brewmaster's Warehouse and how you can get 10% off your next order. I'm a pretty techie guy, but I've never seen an online store like this. It's awesome. Go to brewmasterswarehouse.com and click on Brew Builder. You can whip up a custom recipe so easily even Sven could do it. Seriously, it's slick. You can share your recipe with your own logo and notes to the Brewmaster's database if you want. And the best part, it keeps a running tally of the beer you're building while you're doing it. Then, bam, click Buy Recipe and your cart is filled and ready to go with helpful suggestions in case you forgot something. This thing is amazing. Brewmaster's Warehouse is run the way a home brewer would do it with great service, fast turnaround, and $6.99 flat rate shipping. Brewmaster's Warehouse and the Brew Builder blew me away. Check it out today at brewmasterswarehouse.com. I'm serious. And don't forget to put BNARMY in the discount code box for 10% off your order. Check out brewmasterswarehouse.com. Cheers. 
European Army members. Are you looking for a discount on hops? Keep listening. Nico's Homebrew Supply at NicoBrew.com has hops by the ounce and by the pound. Choose from varieties like Amarillo, Centennial, East Kent Goldings, Hollertower, Simcoe, Summit, Tomahawk, Warrior, Willamette, and more. And adding new varieties all the time, many for less than 20 bucks a pound. Whether a couple ounces at a time or an 11-pound bag, all hops are shipped vacuum-sealed and frozen straight to you. Nico's Homebrew Supply offers store-wide $5 flat-rate shipping and won't waste your money on unnecessary overhead or advertising. They're going bare bones and passing the savings on to you. The staff at Nico's Homebrew Supply loves to brew and is committed to keeping homebrewing affordable and accessible to anyone who wants to join in this great hobby. And for a limited time, use coupon code BNARMY at checkout for a Brewing Network discount. Visit NicoBrew.com. That's N-I-K-O Brew.com for your hops and more. NicoBrew.com your bare bones buddy in the brewing business. You're listening to the Brewing Network. Learning to brew has never been so disgusting. This is Brew Strong. Woohoo! We're still awake. We're still still working on what? knocking out these shows at uh, <laughs> quarter to eleven at night. Oh, the time flies. Ten, ten pints of Chad's uh, Schwartz beer. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It's next question. <laughs> All right, uh, here's a quick one for you. I've got Jamil's Dark Strong in the primary, and it's been sitting for four weeks on the yeast since I pitched it. The yeast is a repitched WLP 530 from a Golden Strong. How soon should I pull it off the yeast? Well, it, it should be done fermenting by now. It should have been done fermenting two weeks ago. If you see no activity, then it's done. Um, you know, pull it off the yeast. If it's that puppy. haven't it hasn't attenuated enough, then you got some other problem. Hmm. So maybe go ahead, take a wine thief, sanitize it really well, get a sample, and if it's not anywhere, see, here's another thing. All right, so you know people go, you know, your recipe says it should reach ten uh, ten, and it's at ten thirteen. It hasn't attenuated enough. Oh, you know, it's horrible. I I need to you know pitch more <laughs> yeast. What do I need to do? It's like hey, if it's ten thirteen, ten ten, ah, good enough. You know, if it doesn't taste overly sweet, then it's it's fine. It could be ten fifteen, and if it doesn't taste overly sweet, that's fine. Um, you know, uh, the, the target number is really for, you know, a certain brewery. So, uh, you know, maybe, you know, mashing at 154 on your, your brew system is like mashing, you know, mashing at, uh, you know, 152 on my brew system or, you know, 158 on my brew system. So, uh, you know, the first time you brew something, if, if you, it doesn't attenuate all the way and it tastes right – then oh, okay, you know maybe I'll I'll back off on the on the mash temperature a couple of degrees and you know you'll be right in the same number. You can have um, you know a, a higher finishing gravity with um, uh, you know the right taste and that's okay. That's not a big deal. Yeah. So if it tastes right, you, you're you're done. Go I ahead, like Jim. that answer. 
That's the, that's it. Yeah. That's well, all Simple. That's the thing. John agrees with me. <laughs> yeah. Then it, Again. The, and it was good. <laughs> okay, uh, could Jamil share some tips for the step-up method of yeast starters? Uh, and the listener says, I've got a two-liter limit on the growler that I use mm-hmm. for starters. Mm-hmm. So I step up with a one liter, and then a few days later, another one liter. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, start out. Don't do anything smaller than a liter. And, uh, you know, within 12 to, well, 18 to 36 hours, 18 to 30 hours, you've got all the growth you're going to get. And at that point, you can go ahead and crash, chill, let all the yeast flocculate out, decant the liquid, and go ahead and add more starter wort to it. Um, You can wait longer until it's really gone all the way through the whole process. Um, you don't really gain anything. And once, like, you know, uh, a day and a half has gone by, if everything was okay initially, um, after a day and a half has gone by, you've got all your growth. Chill it. Let it sit in the fridge for a day or two. You want all those yeast to completely drop out. You don't want to just get the most flocculent yeast. If you, if you, When you chill this, if you're impatient... And the yeast, don't, you know, and you only take the yeast that drop out really quickly, and you pour off some yeast in suspension. You're pouring off the ones that really attenuate well, and you're only collecting the ones that don't attenuate well. And you're going to end up with a, a less attenuation in the yeast that you pitch. So give it plenty. Of t- it take more time in letting it settle than you do in letting it grow. Yeah. That's a critical step. Yeah, give yourself enough time to make that starter so you can let it settle out. Yeah, if you're going to step starter, give yourself a week or two, you know, and let it completely flocculate out, decant off the the spent wort, and then add more wort. And that's all you really need to do. There comes a limit to how much growth you can get with a given amount of wort. So at some point, what you need to do is... um, if you've, if you've grown up a bunch of yeast, you can't have a big pile of yeast and add, you know, a liter and a half of wort. You need to, um, you know, siphon off some of that yeast, decamp some of that yeast to another container and just use a, you know, a starting amount and then grow that up. So that's the only other factor in step startering. You, you just can't uh, have 10 vials or packages worth of yeast sitting in the in one liter of uh, starter work because you're not going to get any growth. You're not doing anything at that point. All right. <laughs> the chat room is making me laugh tonight. I'm trying to keep a straight face for you, Jamil. It's very serious questions here. You're distracting me there. The chat room. You know is, you uh, are. <laughs> there. I'm, trying, I'm telling him, don't make me laugh. Jamil is counting on me to keep a straight face in here. Um, yeah, how serious a show this is. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right, here's a question. This is I've... our most serious show, you realize. Isn't that right, John Palmer? That's right. We're very serious. Yeah. <laughs> I think Palmer's huffing glue over there is how serious he is. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, just having another beer. All right, here's a question that may stem from our uh, most recent session where uh, we talked to a brewer in Florida who's using uh, cedar to to wood age their beers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this uh, brewer says, I've recently added some Spanish cedar along with my dry hops. Um, and the pieces of cedar are floating on the top of my beer in secondary. Every day when I rouse the fermenter to resuspend the dry hops, I'm splashing quite a bit over those pieces of wood. Should I be concerned about head retention or oxidation? This mm-hmm. is question. 
Now, see, I've used a lot of Spanish fly in my beer. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. Which which helps the wood rise. <laughs> but uh, I really haven't uh, used any Spanish cedar. My my take on it is if you're splashing a lot of beer around, um, you know, once fermentation is pretty much done, that's generally not a good thing. Yeah. But um, you know, oxidation would be the issue versus uh, what was what was my other option? Oxidation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, he was trying. Said he was trying to rouse his hops. I don't. I don't know what. Why you do that? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I don't think there's any real point in doing that unless, unless they're floating in a bag on the top and they're not, you know, getting down in there. But if they're if they're immersed, if they're submerged, there's mm-hmm. they're doing their thing. Mm-hmm. A general swirl, maybe to to distribute the alpha a little bit, but it's they're diffusing. I mean, there's really no need to uh, to swirl. I don't think. I'd I, I'd agree with that. I think that's a, a good answer. You know, maybe give it a swirly. Yeah. Uh, you know, oh, the good old days. I haven't had a swirly in a while. All right, uh, let's see. Here's another good question. I have an imperial stout I brewed the weekend before Thanksgiving. It started at 11:20. Uh, I used WLP 007, and it's not at 10:30 yet, and still in the primary. <laughs> Is there any need to go to secondary, or can I just go straight to keg? Straight to keg, I'd say. I don't know why he's telling me what it's not at. It's not at 1030, he says. But what? uh, What's it at? It doesn't say. Maybe he meant to say now it's at 1030. He just mistyped. Started at 1120, now it's at 1030. That's pretty far down, isn't it? That's time to keg. If if you go 1120 (laughs) to 1030, then... So that must have been what he meant to do. Damn straight. You fermented the crap out of that, that thing. That thing is ready yeah. to go. Yeah. yeah. I wish you had a Thanksgiving dinner. You would have dealt with your family better. Right. If you're if you're at ten eighty, <laughs> then yeah, then yeah, ten eighty to ten thirty me. Figure something. Or or if you've gone ten twenty to or one twenty to ten eighty, then you're in trouble. But if you've gone eleven twenty to ten thirty, I mean look at the Attenuation percentage of that is pretty significant, so you're done. Did well, yeah. and if you don't like that it finished at ten thirty, then don't start at eleven twenty. And if um, if you want to start eleven twenty and get lower, then you need enzymes and some serious yeast. Okay. Beer tasting question from one of our listeners in the chat. Is there a hoppy off flavor that resembles freezer burn? Said it's not hop freezer burn, um, but it's in the really hoppy beers that I've brewed lately, like a Pliny clone, a Janet's Brown clone. Um, There were different beers and different batches of hops. So it's this flavor characteristics that he's describing as like a freezer burn flavor. You know anything about that? Uh, You know, I I wonder if that isn't... uh Oniony, garlicky kind of character. Yeah, I don't know what flavor to ascribe to freezer burn. Bad, I'll tell you that. Well, yeah. and, it, and it's part of the problem of evaluating beer through you know, email descriptions. It's kind of like, well, you know, if you let me taste it, I could tell you what I think and 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 what it might be, but. Um, you know, through that description, what I would say is, um, you know, maybe it was one of those, you know, stanky kind of um, 
that or maybe it's you know a caddy kind of thing i don't know it's really you know i i don't know you know what kind of perception the listener has and what experience and what you know what they may favor or you know dislike so that's that's a tough one mm-hmm. okay yeah too bad jp wasn't here he could answer that one. he knows about freezer burn flavors oh, yeah. All right, here's a, a nice random question for you, Jamil. What percentage of melanoidin should I put in a bow pills? Uh, you should read the book. <laughs> Available in the store now. Right. Go go to the, uh, thebrewingnetwork.com, go to, you know, slash store, and uh, you'll find signed copies of Brewing Classic Styles in there. Okay. All right. Well, let's take a short break, and when we come back, we'll finish up uh, with our live Q&A back after this. set out to design a great brewing stand they knew it had to be strong adaptable and last for a lifetime the top tier brewing stand is now proudly available at blickmanengineering.com it grows with your brewing skills and equipment start with five gallon coolers on its heavy gauge stainless steel shelves then move all the way up to 30 gallon pots on the high output burner tiers speaking of burners the custom blickman engineering top tier burners are extremely powerful efficient and amazingly quiet they have safety stops to center your pot and they'll last a lifetime and won't rust the top tier brewing stand allows virtually infinite combinations from traditional gravity systems to two tiers to completely horizontal configure your stand the way you want and have the freedom to change it at any time in the future your brewing stand should adapt with you not force you to learn a new process visit blickmanengineering.com today to configure your top tier brewing stand and to find a local blickman retailer you'll be surprised with all the flexible features and the competitive price start brewing with blickman from the top tier Nico, listen, our lawyer said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this, we don't have to talk to each other for three more months until the, the next meeting. Kids. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines. I'm the professional. <clears throat> hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment nine years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park, to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Hell or High Watermelon Wheat Beer and Brew Free or Die IPA throughout California and Alaska. And now, it's also available on draft at select accounts in the Bay Area. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in a can. Tasty Crack Cans. Tasty Crack Cans. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. 
Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Cut hours off your brewing sessions by using one of our 11 varieties of famous Williams malt extract. Our Williams Belgian Pale Extract is mashed with pure Belgian two-row malt and a small percentage of Belgian wheat malt for an authentic Belgian character you just can't get from other extracts. Or check out our unique fermenters, two-and-a-half-gallon kegs, paintball tank-based draft beer equipment, bottling aids, and much more. We even have our own line of precision hydrometers. Go to williamsbrewing.com to browse our vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 3.30 p.m. Pacific time ship the same day. Brewing is easy. The Williams way. This Sit down next to it, grab yourself a paper towel, and watch those yeast have sex. You're listening to the Brewing Network. Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. We're answering questions in a live Q and A. So, going back to um, you know the, the question on melanoid malt and a Bohemian Pils, you know, I, I was a little flippant on, on my answer uh, on that before. And um, you know, the, the reality is, if, if you're brewing a, a great Bohemian Pilsner. Uh, you don't add any melanoid malt, so um, you know the the recipe is 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 very simple. You would just go with a, a high quality uh, continental pilsner malt and uh, some saz hops and a good yeast and good process, and that's going to give you you know the best bohemian pilsner you can make. Now, in brewing classic styles, it includes uh, some carapils, you know, some dextrin malt. And really, the only reason that includes that is because, um, you know, that was the most award-winning recipe. So that's why that's included in there. Uh, if I was to do it today, you know, I, I, I don't throw any carapils in there. It's, you know, just your mash temperature, and, and you can do just as well with that. So... You know, the only reason you might consider adding melanoid malt, I guess, is because you feel like, well, they do, you know, decoction brewing, um, and you feel like, well, you're going to replace decoction brewing with melanoid malt. Well, if you're going to do something like that, then, you know, if you're really concerned about then, and you feel like decoction gets you that, then go ahead and do decoction brewing. If, um, uh, you know, other than that, uh, you know, if you want to add melanoid malt, you'd add less than you know five percent. Uh, you know, would be your total. I, I wouldn't exceed five percent. Um, that you know, that's a possibility. Uh, you know, check out BYO, uh, brew your own. Uh, write the style profile column for that, and I discuss all that in there. And I think I did Bohemian Pills uh, recently. Uh, you check it out. You can actually subscribe to Brew Your Own from the uh, thebrewingnetwork.com. And, uh, you know, they share a portion of the, uh, the fee when you sign up uh, with the Brewing Network. It goes right to the bottom line. And uh, uh, if you want uh, some other detail, you can check our archives of uh, the Jamel Show. Go back and uh, uh, we did Bohemian Pilsner as one of those shows. Uh, me and uh, my Cajun brewing brother, John Plisset. And uh, we uh, talked about that as well. So uh, hopefully that's a little better answer. I think I was, uh, yeah, 
A little tired when I... It's a long night. (laughs) Yeah. It's a long night of programming. (laughs) It is. Uh, Well, he is happy about that. He's brewing one next week. Okay. So you helped a brother out. All right. Um, Okay. Uh, Last question of the night from the chat room here. And Palmer, I think you can help out with this uh, pretty well. It's it's kind of right up your alley. Uh, This listener is uh, requesting that we address uh, direct fire mash tons. Uh, He wants to know, is it really important to use uh, a hot liquor tank with a heat exchanger... If you're just going to recirculate anyway, so what do you think about that? Um, okay, so he's asking the difference between rims versus herms. I guess so. Uh, you know, if we, I, I think he's well, direct fire. So, so mm-hmm. um, when you when we were talking about you setting up your new system, you were going to yeah. direct fire the uh, mash ton instead of doing a hot, uh, you know a herms or a, or a rims. Right. You were going to direct fire it and recirculate right there. And right. my take on it was, well, when I direct fire my 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 uh, mash tun, I get a bunch of grain particles, you know, lifting right. up off the bottom. And and that was a problem with my with my system initially. I was using um, a false bottom that had the I don't know what three sixteenths diameter holes all mm-hmm. through it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I did notice a lot of grain um, moving through. Uh, the t- the hoses, you know, to the pump, mm-hmm. and uh, the pump got clogged at one point. Mm. Um, and the, I you know, I mean, maybe it, it you know, I might have been recirculating too fast, but I, I don't think so. It was a fairly, a fairly gentle flow. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, but in all honesty, I really did notice an improvement. Um, Using the Blickman false bottom uh, the second time around, um, I think just due to the nature of the slots, you know, they're, they it lets less particles through than the holes did. And uh, I mean, uh, when I've used false bottoms in the past, um, I've usually used fine holes, and really, um, I used to use copper manifolds for a long time, where you know it was just a narrow hacksaw width. And I usually had very few problems with, um, you know, grain clogging um, from uh, you know, doing any kind of recirculation. So uh, I think I think the the type false bottom, the type of you know, that really played a, an important role in my ability to direct fire uh, the 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 recirculation. Um, the other thing to keep in mind. When you're doing a rims or a herms, is to you know measure the temperature of the words um, as it comes off the heater. You know whether you're doing a herms, you know you need to you need to, ke- to check put a thermocouple or check the temperature um, as it's exiting your heating point because you don't want to you don't want to start denaturing your enzymes by running it through um, uh, your your heating source. So. In my case, with the, the direct fire rims, I'm measuring the temperature of the wort right after it comes off the false bottom, um, you know, as it's exiting the pot. And uh, I would add heat for, you know, 5, 10, 15 minutes, depending on the, you know, how high I was going. And the wort temperature never exceeded my set point. And, you know, and as soon as I saw it, as soon as I saw the temperature hit my set point, I could turn down the flame and, and it just kept recirculating. And the the temperature of the word didn't didn't go above that. Maybe one or two two degrees, but not five degrees, which would have greatly affected my 
you know, the, the arrest that I was shooting for. Yeah, I think if you, you know, I think regardless of the false bottom, well, and some some are going to let through more grain than others, and yeah. you, you get some grain, you know, slipping through one way or another around the sides or through the slots, and then um, if you overfire it, you're gonna, you know, you could get some scorching. So mm. that's one of the, you know, it, it, of those grain particles. Um, but otherwise, if you're if you're in control, those grain particles could pass through and go back around. Eventually, you shouldn't see any more grain particles coming through. If you do, then True. you know that's a big issue. But eventually, you should set the you know the the, the filter bed there, and and you should right. It, it should be okay. But I'd, I'd be real careful of uh, you know applying too much heat that way. I like the you know the uh, Herm system just because. Yeah, it's just easy and brainless, and that's me. <laughs> easy and brainless. brainless. That's yeah. right. Like my women. <laughs> I do have one last question, guys, and I, I need to preface it. This is one of our newer and, and more lubricated listeners, but she's been hanging out all night long and has asked this question several different ways, and uh, in an effort to prove that we do try to address everything, I'm going to ask the question for you guys, all right? Whether or, not, whether or not you have a real answer, I, I don't know. Uh, but here we go. Um, Valicious in the chat room wants to know. Um, it's got to be a dude posing as well. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but this uh, this listener has read that hops contain phytoestrogens that uh, uh, trick the body into producing more estrogen. She and, says, and "That's my, why brew dudes have big boobs." <laughs> yes. Right? She says, "My body produces next to zero estrogen, mm-hmm. and this added effect can uh, actually uh, result in increased breast growth." Mm-hmm. She says, "This is important." Uh, she sounds very serious about the topic, actually, mm-hmm. and so I'm uh, I'm putting it to you guys. Um, d- uh, are there phytoestrogens in hops that? Uh, yeah, you know, there's everything you know you consume. Everything you put in your body has some sort of effect on you know various you know functions of the body. I, I would not count on hoppy beers growing uh, you know significant breast mass. I think you know the the reason that you see a lot of beer dudes with uh, good sized breasts on them is just that they're fat. And, you know, the fat tissue tends to deposit there as well. So uh, you can pack on some pounds, and beer will help do that. But I don't think it's necessarily the hops. I, I think if, you know, you're lacking estrogen, then, you know, estrogen supplements might be, you know, a better way to go. Yeah, my... Not as fun, though. My answer to the question <laughs> is that I have no well, drink idea beer anyway. why are in there. <laughs> you drink, have no idea. Drink yeah. beer as well. Um, you know, certainly won't hurt. Certainly makes all the guys that are hitting on you far more attractive. <laughs> well, she's pointing out that uh, here's what I here's where it gets yeah. weird for me, right? Uh-huh. Here's where it just gets into a, a maybe missing the point. Yeah. She says, you know, over the last I started drinking IPAs a lot uh-huh. over the last year, uh-huh. and I grew two cup sizes. And my thing is, could it just be the calories in beer and right. the actual consumption of beer, and not yes. necessarily having? I've grown two cup sizes <laughs> in the last year, also, right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know. I, I I don't necessarily think that's it, I, or you know, it might be a coincidence. I really don't think you're going to get you know that significant just off a of beer. I think in a controlled experiment, if that was the case, um, you know, they'd be in, injecting women with uh, you know hops, <laughs> you know, instead of cutting them open and putting bags of silicone or yeah, saline yes. in there. 
I, I, a controlled experiment would be a good idea. I mean, if we were to go over there and you let's know, get some women breast size, <laughs> let's get some beer breast size after and let's beers. drink until we see <laughs> changes in their breasts. <laughs> <laughs> I think it will be called the Brewing Network's Breastathon, uh, yeah, 2010. I, I think you know this is some serious uh, research we yeah. could do. It would have to be a blind test. Yeah, you, know, you know, seriously, I think um, uh, consult your doctor. Yeah, I think it's more <laughs> you know a coincidence than anything else. I think it it may have some small effect, but I I don't think it's you know two cup size effect. Okay, you know it, it would be minor at best. So. And I, I think it's just coincidence, happy coincidence. Okay. I'm sure I'm happy about it, but, you know. Lest any of you think we avoid the issues on these programs, there you go. No. We'll Thank you anything. for your question. As long as beer related in some bizarre in some way. way. We'll take Works it. Works for me. All right. That's your Q&A uh, for today, guys. All right. I really enjoy these Q&A shows because we got some of the smartest listeners, I think. Maybe we get some uh, interesting questions. Yeah. Well, and what a great set of questions. Really. Uh, you know, in depth and detail, you know, it's not, you know, uh, how do I boil wort? Where do the hops go? Do I put them in the kettle? I know you, you deleted know? all my questions. I hate all those stupid questions. I really do. You know, I just respond. You know, I think you want to get yourself a copy of How to Brew by John Palmer, yeah. and uh, that will pretty much styles. pretty much read that book. And then, if you still have this question, come back to me. I'd be glad to help you. And you know, I, I don't mind the question where people have worked and they they've they've put some effort into it, and then they got you know these are some well thought out questions. I think we got some smart listeners who put a lot of hard work into it. And uh, I love it. I think, you know, it, it makes me think. And there's questions that people ask that I've never thought of. And I'm like, wow, yeah, boy, how dim-witted am I that I never thought about that? That's some good stuff. So, uh, yeah, good questions. Good answers, John. Thank you. You too. <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> I am too. It's been a long day. I mean, we started this thing... God knows, five hours ago? All right. Five hours of Bruce Strong. Good stuff. And, uh, you know, if you enjoy the show and you think it's uh, worth your listening to, then you want to thank the the people who made this possible. And that's uh, the Brewing Network, for one, especially. And uh, also, check out the brewingnetwork.com slash store. Uh, that's where, you know, the bulk of the uh, support comes from. But also, uh, the sponsor of the show, John Blickman, Blickman Engineering, BlickmanEngineering.com. Go there, check out. They got a lot of fine products, great products, really well built. Yep. Uh, things that are going to make your brewing happy. And, uh, you know, they paid for this show, so you don't have to. So if you can go out there and, uh, you know, support them, uh, we'd appreciate it. Tell them, tell them how much you love the show. Give, give them an email. And, uh, you know, while you're at it, buy yourself a hoodie. Hat, Bruce Strong hat, Bruce Strong shirt. Next time I see you, I'll tell you how much I love your shirt and tell you how much I love your hat. You can find them at the the Brewing Network store. And all the profits go to uh, the bottom line here and keep all this this programming going. Uh, Bruce Strong, Can You Brew It, The Sunday Session, and that show that shouldn't be mentioned, Lunch Made. All right. And if you find us on Facebook, uh, John Palmer, myself, uh, Justin, we all love to friend you. We'll see you there. Until then... Brew strong. Brew strong, everybody. <laughs>